Well, I want to say a special welcome to everybody joining us online today. So glad that you guys are, are with us. I know it's uh, a little wintry out there, so if you're at home, welcome. Glad that you're with us. So a question as I kind of dive into this weekend's talk. Uh, I want you to think about this. What, what makes you angry? I know out loud answers right now or anything, but I want you to think about what are the things that you tend to find make you angry in life? And maybe for some of you, it's, it's like bad drivers when somebody cuts you off in traffic or Maybe it's rude people, a certain group of people, arrogant people, people who think they know maybe all the answers. For some of you, uh, you're here today, uh, you wanted to point to someone next to you when, when I asked who makes you angry or what makes you angry. Uh, maybe it's your spouse, right? And your, your husband, you find that he never like hits the laundry basket with his clothes. It's always like beside it and it just frustrates you. Or, or maybe uh, for some of you, it's that your spouse or your kids, they squeeze the, the toothpaste from the middle and not from the end. Okay, maybe I'm the only one uh, that... that but it's like you, you find sometimes in life that there's certain things that, that make you angry. It could be your boss. It could be people that you work with, uh, young people. It could be maybe teachers at your school or, or a certain group of kids. Uh, it could be big things. Maybe it's small things. In fact, real quick, just turn to your neighbor and, and tell them, share with them, what, what is something that makes you angry? Just one thing. Tur- turn to them and tell them that. <laughs> <coughs> I said one thing, not like 10 things, okay? One thing, one thing. So anger, um, you, you, I hope you realize this, and we'll kind of dive into this today. It, it actually can be a good thing, and, and it can also be a bad thing, right? And in fact, there, there's 15 different times in the Bible where you'll find the word anger and the word fire in the same verse. And because anger, I actually believe, is a lot like fire, in other words, you understand this, that, that fire can be good and it can be bad. I mean, it can be good in the sense that it can be used to, to warm you, right? It can be used to cook something. I mean, there is, there's good fire, of course, that can be used for good things. And at the same time, fire can be a, a very bad thing. This is a, a picture of our Middleville campus a few years ago. Some of you remember our, our Middleville campus caught on fire. And of course, when that sort of fire happens, that's not a good thing. And so fire can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing. For me, and some of you can relate to this, there there's some big things in life that maybe get me or make me upset or can, can, can make me angry in life. But oftentimes, I actually think it's the small things. For, for me anyway, and maybe, maybe you can relate to this, oftentimes it's the small things that begin to trip me up. For example, I'll give you a, a few examples in my own life and maybe you can relate to these. And, um, but when you go to the movies, um, for me, one of the things that, that bothers me is people who do not understand like proper movie etiquette, okay? Anybody relate to me on that? It's like there are certain things when you go to a movie theater and you watch a movie, like there's certain etiquette that you need to make sure that you follow. Now, for me, when I go to a movie, I, I never, I don't even know the last time I went to a movie like on opening day because I don't like being around that many people. Like I just, I, I don't go to a movie on opening day, but if I go to a movie theater and I watch a movie, oftentimes there's not many people there. And one of the things that bothers me is that you'll go into a movie and you sit down and of course there's a perfect spot to sit at a movie theater, right? And it's like, you know, not too close, not too far back, but in the right in the middle. And I'll find that perfect seat and I'll sit down with whoever I'm with and it's the person who walks up in a completely empty movie theater and they sit like right next to you. Yeah, some, someone understands exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, we're gonna get along well, okay? And, and, and you're kind of like, dude, there are like, hundreds of open seats. There's lots of room around here and you're sitting literally right next to me. And then the worst part for me anyway is like, not that I want a girl to sit next to me, but when it's a dude and then like you're fighting over the armrest and sometimes it ends up being like skin on skin. It just it gets nasty, right? And then there's people who like, 
they, in a movie theater, they'll, they'll maybe answer phone calls or, or worse yet, I've actually seen this where they'll actually make a phone call, like in the mo- middle of the movie. And I'm like, what are you doing, right? And then it, when you're watching a movie, uh, there's, there's these two different types of people that like bother me anyway in a theater where you have the group, the person who like, they have no clue what's happening, Right? And it's like, it can be the main character, and they're like, well, who is that guy again? And they're like talking through the whole thing. And then on the other side, you have the person who knows everything. And they're like, that guy did it. He did it. He's, you know, and they're like yelling it out, and they're telling everybody everything that's going on in the midst of the movie, right? Many of us can find these little things. And again, it's not that big of a deal, but it can tend to trip us up. Another small thing for me, I find myself, again, and, and I don't know, maybe this is just like a counseling session for me today, but another small thing is like, I don't know if you've ever gone into a parking lot, and, and not, I'm not talking a packed parking lot, but like one that's, you know, got lots of spaces in a park, and, and in this huge open parking lot, somebody comes and parks like right next to you. Again, maybe it's something about people being close to me that I don't like. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, there's so many spots available, and again, these are little small things that begin to trip me up. So what about you? What are the things in your life that you find yourself becoming angry at? And here's really another question for you today. Are, are, you, are you choosing to deal with that anger? Are you choosing to deal with the things that make you frustrated? Or are you giving the devil a guest room? Now you might wonder what I mean by that. And so we're, we're in a series actually called Unstuck where we've been talking about how in our lives, all of us, we get stuck in ditches. We, we, we face things in our lives that, that make us stuck where we feel like we can't quite get out of it and, and we're in the midst of that. And I think many of us can, can really get stuck in a ditch called anger. We can get stuck in this ditch where we find ourselves becoming angry at people around us. And Paul, he actually talked about this in the book of Ephesians where he says this, he says, in your anger, he says, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. So, so the first thing we learn, what, what Paul is saying he, is this, is that he says that in your anger do not sin. In other words, and you've probably heard this before, the idea of becoming angry and, and, and anger in itself is not sin. And of course, like I, I mentioned earlier, there's two different types of anger, just like fire. There's, there can be good anger, which is what would be called a righteous anger. <clears throat> Excuse me, something where you get angry and, and it maybe even angers the heart of God. You find yourself becoming upset at some, something in life that when, even when God would look at it, he would become angry. And then there's the other side of anger, where, where you look at something or something makes you angry that really doesn't matter much. Or maybe even that subject matters, but the way that you respond is not a healthy way. And he says, I don't want you to let the sun go down on your anger. And I used to think when I would hear that verse, you know, I always used to think, well, that's for like married couples, right? Like, that when you're married, you can never go to bed angry. And of course, I think that's true. But I think it's so much bigger than that. And, and, and I think it's for all different types of people. Because what Paul says is he says that if you do that, he says, you give the devil a foothold. Now, what does that mean? Well, the Greek and actually the interpretation of that word, it literally means an opportunity. It means a location. It means a physical, a literal place inside of you. He says, I don't want you to, the reason why I don't want you to go to bed angry, the reason why I don't want you to allow anger to manifest inside of your heart is because when you do that, he says, you're actually giving the devil a guest room. Don't allow him through the door of anger to live in your heart. And he says, when we do this, I think we fall into a ditch. And maybe like some of you today, you find find yourself stuck 
becoming angry or frustrated at things in your life. Now, there's all sorts of stories of, of people who allowed anger to, to have a foothold inside their life. A lot of stories in the, in the Bible. One, one story I was thinking of this past week is a story of two brothers because if there is somebody who you could honestly probably get really angry with, it's a brother, right? In fact, how many of you have a brother that you find yourself fighting with often or you used to fight with? Yeah, like, I think brothers, it's like, sometimes brothers, um, don't look at your brother for crying out loud. Like, some of you are staring him down. Like, <clears throat> you want to fight him right now, right? So my, m- me and my brother, we, when we uh, grew up, we're, we're less than a year apart. And I, I love my brother to death. And we, we did a lot of fun things together. But it was like we always would fight too. It was like we just always would be getting in arguments and fights. And my brother was older than me. And so I often lost in the battle of the fights. And I remember one specific instance where I remember getting so angry at my brother where we, were, we would be outside. And, and this happened quite often actually where my mom and dad would go away. My brother and I would get out my dad's BB gun. And we would begin to shoot at different things around the yard and, you know, birds and probably things we shouldn't shoot at, but we were shooting at things. And I remember at one point my brother decided that it would be fun to say to me, he started, he said, hey, how about we play a game? And I'm like, well, what kind of game? He's like, well, I'm going to count to 10, you're going to run, and then I'm going to shoot you. And I'm like, this doesn't sound like a fun game. And I'm like, well, do I get to shoot you when you're done? And he's like, yeah, yeah, which, of course, you think he ever let me shoot him? No. But he, I'm like, okay, well, and I remember at one point going, like, this is like multiple times into playing this game that he talked me into, where I'm like, I don't want to play. Like, you don't ever let me shoot you. Like, like what, is, what is this, right? And like, I'm running for my life, diving behind trees and everything. And he'd be like, I don't care if you want to play. One, two, and he'd start pumping the gun and make me, and I remember just getting so angry at my brother over things like this. And, of course, my anger didn't go as far as a guy by the name of Cain, who had a brother named Abel, because God accepted Abel's offering, but not Cain, and Cain becomes very angry. It says this in the book of Genesis. It says, then the Lord said to Cain, he says, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, he says, sin is kind of like the anger. It's crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must, he says, Rule over it. And through anger, through this thing called anger, sin entered Cain's heart. And if you know the story, he ends up murdering his brother. Why? All because of this thing called anger that began to stir inside of him. Now, I I understand without a doubt that there's some of you who are here this weekend, and you know already that God is going to speak to you this weekend. You you already know, like, I struggle with this. you're, You're thinking to yourself, I, I find myself becoming frustrated or angry. Uh, you, in fact, some of you are going, I, I got mad at somebody on the way to church. I got mad at somebody driving in front of me in my own vehicle. I got mad at somebody in the parking lot. And you know that God is going to speak to you about this very subject. But others of you might say, not me so much, right? You would say that in your life, you don't really get outwardly angry. But you maybe would say that you could relate to this idea of what I would call below the surface type of anger. Maybe you find yourself with a high level of frustration where you easily get kind of frustrated with people around you. People maybe drive you crazy. Circumstances drive you crazy. You're critical of people often in your life. You find that people at your work, they get under your skin. Your spouse maybe does things that that drive you crazy and makes you upset. And some of you might even these days, might not even be a person that you find yourself becoming frustrated with. Maybe it's even God. 
Or where you find yourself maybe having conversations with God very frustrated with saying, well, if I were you, I wouldn't do it the way that you're doing it. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it that way, God. And you find yourself frustrated. And the question is this, because I think many of us, many of us deal with anger in all different sorts of ways. I understand different levels of anger. But the question is this, is how do you, how do you deal with it? How do you get unstuck? If you're here today and you're listening to this and you're saying, yeah, I don't, I don't want anger because I think most people who find themselves getting angry at things or people, I don't know many people who say, I love getting ticked. I love blowing up at people. I like doing that. I mean, many of us, we want to deal with this thing. And so how do you get unstuck? Well, I think one of the things that we have to do is we have to identify what type of anger do we have inside. And here's kind of what I mean by this. Many of us, we get stuck in, in a ditch called anger. And you've probably heard this before, but I think there's two different types of people who manifest anger. And you're either a spewer or you're a stewer. Or for a lot of us, we could relate and say, I'm both of these. Now, you know this, that a spewer is somebody who they just kind of lash out, right? And, and, and it's like when you get angry, everybody in the room knows that you are angry. Where, where the stewer is somebody who you more like, you keep it inside and you let it kind of bottle up. In fact, let me just ask the question. How many of you would say that you are more often than not one of these two, you would say you are more of a spewer? Like you, when you get angry, come on, you're in church, don't lie. Okay, you kind of just let it out. Okay, how many of you would say you're like kind of more of a stewer? Raise your hand. Yeah, and how many of you would say like, I'm just both. I, I'm, I can, yeah, I do, yeah, a lot of your hand. Okay, this is an angry crowd. Don't, don't mess up, Joel, okay? And so, so the spewer, you have kind of a short fuse. I mean, you have maybe more of a hot temper. And when you become angry, everybody knows. Uh, there, there, there's this thing where we can kind of, we view something that we don't like and it's like we don't hide it inside. We just let everybody know. In fact, Solomon, who is known as probably the wisest man to ever live, he says, if that is you, you're a fool. I didn't say it. Solomon said it. Don't get mad at me. Sol- Solomon said this. He, he says this. He says, fools give full vent to the rage. But he says, the wise, they bring calm in the end. I remember hearing a story of a pastor who was preaching on this topic of of spewing your anger and a a lady walked up afterwards and and just said, you know, pastor, I disagree with you actually. Like, when I I get mad at somebody, I, I like to just let it rip. I like to just let them know I'm mad and I'm frustrated. And she says, I disagree that it's wrong because she said, when I get done, like just spewing, I feel great. I feel good. And the pastor said, well, so does a shotgun, right? Like, I mean, and, and, and his, his point was, but think of the damage that it causes, right? Like some of us, we just think, well, when I just spew it out, when I just yell and scream and let them know how mad I am, well, I feel better when I'm done. And you might think when you blow up, you know, you get to get it out and everything's good and maybe you are good, but the people around you aren't. Some of you, you get this because these days, you've lost a relationship with your kids because of spewing. Some of you these days, maybe as a kid, a grown adult now, you would say, I don't have much of a relationship with my parents because my dad or my mom, they were a spewer. Where every time they got mad at me, they just let it rip. And maybe they felt better, but relationships are broken because of this. Some of you maybe have lost friendships or you don't talk to certain people any longer because of this very thing. Solomon again writes in Proverbs 14, he says, a quick-tempered person, they do foolish things. And I think many of us can relate to this. And the one who devises evil schemes, he says, is hated. In other words, when you are quick-tempered, when you just kind of let it out, we end up doing things that are just foolish. 
Now for me, I'll, I'll be honest, this is one of those subjects I, I've struggled with a lot of my life. I would actually say that many years ago, probably the thing I would have raised my hand to is that I was more of a spewer. When I was angry, I would just kind of let it out. In fact, I think it was around my freshman year in college, I, I kind of came to this conclusion that I hated myself because of how angry I'd become at so many things in life. And for me, I hadn't dealt with certain things in my life, and I found myself spewing and getting angry and mad, and I had friends who tried to tell me, you know, Joel, you got to deal with this, you got to do something about it. I remember one specific instance that, I mean, to this day, I'm, I'm so not proud of this moment, but um, I can look back and, and kind of laugh at myself and just think, wow, I mean, that was really a bad moment in your life. But I was coming home from church, actually. So, you know, here I am, I'm worshiping Jesus, trying to learn more about him, and I'm going to, to college to go into ministry, and I love God, and I love people, and I remember I'm walking into my, my dorm with my roommate at the time, and we're walking in from church, and I, I lived in a, a dorm, uh, a, a, a place uh, where there's three stories, and so when you walked in, um, literally, like if you were at the staircase, you could look all the way up to the top, and people at the top could look all the way down at you. And I'm at the very bottom floor, and all of a sudden, had no clue this was coming, um, some guys at the top had water balloons, and they started chucking them at us, okay? And one hit me. And I remember, like, in this moment, this rage came over me. And again, not proud of it, but I remember, like, looking at my roommate, and he kind of looked at me like, dude, don't do it, don't do it, don't, like, kind of like, please don't. And I remember, I just booked after this guy. I mean, I, I was, like, yelling and screaming and, and just going after this guy. I didn't end up catching him, but I'm like, I was so mad. I mean, I don't even know what I would have done if I would have caught the guy for crying out loud, but I remember my anger, and then later looking back at that, just going, how embarrassing, Joel, like, that you allowed your anger to just truly overtake you in your life. And let me just say to some of you, maybe your anger problem, this ditch that you're in, it's destroying close relationships around you. You have to deal with it. Now, again, maybe for you, you'd say, I'm not so much the spewer, but I find myself stewing inside. David, in the Old Testament, he often did this in the book of Psalm. He says this, he says, when I kept silent, he says, my my bones, they wasted away through my groaning all day long. In other words, it's this idea that, that we're just holding things in. So we get upset with something, and instead of expressing it in a healthy way, we, we kind of just keep it inside, kind of like a pot that's ready to boil over. And really, when you think about it, this really, this kind of anger, the stewing anger, it's so the opposite of love. And Paul tells us that, that when we love people, we keep no record of wrongs. And stewards, you understand this, you you keep long lists of wrongs, right? Well, she did this, and, and he did that, and, and I would do this if he would just. And, and it's like we stew on these things over and over and over again. I actually think that this is something that can, can truly destroy so many relationships. In fact, I think it's one of the things that destroys marriages, where couples get so upset over small things. And the next thing you know, you're, you're going to bed and you're stewing, right? And what you're doing is you're giving the devil a guest room inside of your heart. You're so mad over angry things. Now, if you and your spouse are both stewards, then you go to bed in what I would describe as the fighting position. Do you know what that is? Where like, you both face opposite, like outside of each other. So you're just like, I'm not going to look at you, right? You're facing opposite ways. And, and, and for you, when you're sitting there, you're laying in bed and you're like, well, he better say something to me first because he did da, 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 da. And he's thinking, well, she better say something to me first because da, da. And it's like you, you have created enemy territory where there's like a line down your bed where it's like you don't dare cross over that line into enemy territory, right? And the first one who does, they lose, okay? Some of you, you all acting way too holy right now, okay? 
And you're laying there, you know, you're in enemy territory and all of a sudden your toe slips over and touches them and you pull it back really fast. You're thinking you're not getting any toe tonight. It's not happening. (laughs) We're so godly, right? I mean, but you know this, like you're stewing inside. You're so angry inside at the person. And sometimes you would say, what are you angry at? And you would just go, I don't know, right? Because it's like all these things have just begun to build up in your life and you just, you're chewing on them. Jesus, he tells a story of two brothers. There might be a theme here with brothers, I don't know, but the, the younger one, the one, younger of the two brothers, he decides to leave. And he asks his dad if he can receive his inheritance early. And so his dad gives him, you know, his inheritance and he leaves, he goes away. And of course, at one point, after he parties hard and he loses everything that he has, he decides that he wants to go back home. And so he does just that. He goes back home and the dad is so excited to see his son. And he welcomes him in with open arms. And if you know the story, the older brother is mad. He begins to stew. He begins to get so angry and think to himself, I did everything right. I did all the right things. I I, I never disowned you, dad. I didn't walk away. I didn't even get my half of the inheritance. I've kept all of the rules. He begins to think this isn't fair. And if you know the story, he doesn't even go to his brother's own party because of the anger that he stews on on the inside. Many of you would say today that the type of anger that you find yourself having more often than not is that you would say, I'm a stewer. And so the question is, how do you get unstuck? Whether you find yourself being someone who spews things and you just tend to kind of just let it rip or you find yourself holding these things in on the inside, wherever you're at on the spectrum, how do we remove the sinful anger from our life, how do we get out of that ditch? A couple thoughts on this. The first one is just this. I think one of the things we have to learn to do is, is put out that anger, put out that fire. I love this verse. Again, Solomon writes, he just says this, starting a quarrel, he says, it's like breaching a dam. He says, so drop the matter before the dispute breaks out. He says, drop the matter. So, so many of us, this is so hard for us to do, right? You get into an argument with somebody and you think, I have to have the last word. I got to get my point in. And he's saying this, no, no, it, it does, it's not worth it. Learn to drop it. Some of you are thinking, well, Joel, I can't do that. Like, like, Joel, when I get mad, when I get upset, I can't drop the matter. And whether you are a spewer or a stewer, you think to yourself, there's no way that I can drop what they've done to me. There's no way that I can just let it go. And I would say, you're wrong, you're lying, you actually can. And here's how I can prove it. Every one of you has seen this before or maybe you've even done it before where you're sitting there and you're yelling at your kids. You need to be quiet and you need to, and you're yelling at your spouse and you're saying, I can't believe you would do that. I did it. And you're so mad and you're so angry and all of a sudden your phone rings. Come on. And all of a sudden you're like, and I can't believe you and you be quiet. I'm about ready to answer this question. Hello, how are you? Yeah, yeah, everything's great. Yeah, things are, okay, I'll call you later. And I can't, you know, and it's like you, and it's like you can easily just flip the switch, can't you? Some of you are going, that's my parents. I've seen that so often, right? And the reality is this, we can't make a choice. I have to be honest with you. In preparing this message, I watched myself throughout this past week and so many times in my own life where I found myself in a situation where I could choose to become angry or I could choose to drop the matter. And I just got to be honest with you, I was successful in some cases But the reality is, too often times I find myself getting frustrated over something that truly does not matter in life. 
And many times I, I would find myself getting upset at maybe my kids or, or somebody else because I, I find them doing something that I dislike. And instead, and I think afterwards, like, why are you frustrated at something that really doesn't mean very much? And many times we have to, to learn to just to drop it. So, so somebody's running late. Drop it. They didn't load the dishwasher right. Drop it. I got to tell you, I mean, this is kind of a crazy story, but like, so we're teaching our, our boys how to load the dishwasher, right? Like when they get done using something. And for me, I'm, I do believe there's a right way to load a dishwasher, by the way, okay? And, um, but, but it's like we're teaching our kids, and you can see how bad it is to live with me. So we're teaching our kids to do this. And it's so often where it's like my kids are doing what I'm asking them to do, but I'm like, well, but you didn't do it right. You put your cup in like straight up where nothing, it's not going to get cleaned that way. And instead of just saying, hey, thank you for doing the thing that I asked you to do, sometimes I find myself becoming frustrated at the little things. And maybe you can, maybe you can't relate to it, but oftentimes I think there's so many things in our lives where if you think about your week, where you got angry or frustrated with somebody when it really, it didn't matter. It didn't matter much. Somebody at work is getting on your nerves, drop it. Some things are not worth it. I think one of the ways that we need to learn how to respond is the way that James teaches us. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, he says, I want you to take note of this. In other words, pay attention to what I'm about to say. He says, everyone, not some people, but everyone, he says, they should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. See, I think when you're quick to listen, when you're slow to speak, I think it leads to you becoming very less likely to become angry. I think it means that you become slow to become angry. But oftentimes, if you're like me, maybe you can relate where I find myself not becoming so much slow to speak, but fast to speak. I find myself not becoming quick to listen, but I'm slow to listen. He says, if you'll learn just to slow down and to listen and slow to speak, he says, then you become slow to become angry. Because human anger, he says, it does not produce the righteousness that God desires. It doesn't produce it. See, see, when we do this, when we follow what, what James is saying here, we actually become, get this, more like God. There's seven different writers in the Bible that say that one of the attributes of God, in other words, who he is, the qualities of God, is that he is slow to anger and he is abounding in love. That he's slow to anger and he's abounding in love. And if you have an anger issue, I think some of us, we just have to let God deal with it. We have to learn to drop things that really do not matter. The second thing I would say to you is not only to put it out and drop it, but I think for some of us, you have to learn to get some accountability with this thing. Many of you, you might be thinking to yourself, Joel, I can't drop it. Sometimes it is hard. Sometimes it is difficult to really face the reality of how you're feeling. And I think sometimes it is difficult without accountability in your life. And too often times, we don't acknowledge that there is a fire inside of you. And when you think about it, when you see a fire, what do you do? Like when you see a big fire, what, what does somebody do? About, I don't know, probably about a month, month and a half ago, I was getting up pretty early in the morning and I was coming into work and when I woke up, I went into uh, the bedroom to, to get some clothes out and um, I noticed that outside it was really bright and it was pr- probably about 4, 4.30 in the morning, pretty early, so I was like, well, it's not the sun and I just thought maybe the boys had left, you know, the lights on outside or something and so I went around to, to turn them off and as I walked into my living room, this is what I saw across uh, the lake and this is a house that's on fire, like just completely engulfed in flames. And I remember looking at that, I mean, literally just like lighting up everything. Now, now I want you to imagine with me, imagine if I said when I saw that fire, I got this. I grabbed my bucket, 
I grabbed a hose. I drove over to the house and thought to myself, well, I can take care of this. And you understand that that would just be foolish, right? Of course, what do you do when you see a, a massive fire is you call the people that know how to help. And it's not just like one firefighter shows up. There's multiple people who come and they put out the fire. In other words, they recognize and you recognize that you can't do it on your own. And all of us would say to the person who grabs the bucket and grabs the hose, what are you thinking? You're crazy. And I believe it's the same way with anger. Some of you, you've allowed this fire to burn inside of you. And you're trying to put it out over and over on your own and it's not working. And can I just say to you, it's because you need accountability. You need other people in your life to help you get unstuck and out of that ditch. You can't keep thinking you can do it on your own. You're ruining relationships with your kids. Maybe you've lost friendships at work or at school because we refuse to get help. That's why we push this value so much of connecting at TVC. Why we encourage you on a regular basis, hey, are you part of a life group? We don't do it because we think you need something else in your life. We do it because we understand that there is value in connecting with other believers when you can look at them eyeball to eyeball, not in something like this, but when you can sit in a circle and you can say, I struggle with this area. I need help. And people can begin to hold you accountable. I mentioned this earlier. I've struggled with this in my life. I remember after that moment where I started chasing that kid, and again, I could probably share with you too many stories of times of things that I did my freshman year of college that I look back on and I just regret. But I remember having this moment where I realized, Joel, this is not who you want to be. You don't want to be quick to anger. You don't want to be lashing out on people that you care about and you love. And for me, what I realized is that I, I really, my dad had passed away about three years before that and I just hadn't dealt with it. I had really hadn't gotten the help that I needed. I thought that I was good. I was tough. I could do it. And so I remember I, I did something that was very humbling for me. Where I went and I sought out a professional counselor. And I sat down with that person and it didn't fix me overnight. It didn't change me in a, in a split second. But what it did is it allowed me the realization that I couldn't do it on my own. Can I just challenge you for a moment? Are you in a group? Do you have people that will speak truth into your life? Do you have people that you feel like comfortable enough where you could say, you know that thing that they talked about this weekend? I struggle with that. I need some help. If not, can I just challenge you to think about being a part of a group, to go out to your next step, check it out and just say, I need to be a part of a group because in the midst of that you find accountability. So I think not only do we need to learn to put it out and get accountability, but I think what we need to learn to do with our anger as well is we can allow it to lead to healing. See, when you look at Jesus' life, he got angry often, but he never sinned in the midst of that anger. And there are t- several times where you see this, but probably one of my favorite stories is about a guy who had a shriveled hand. He was born this way, and it was a Sabbath. In other words, this was the day that you weren't allowed to work, and, um, which means in, in their minds that you couldn't actually heal on the Sabbath because that would be some type of work for Jesus. And the Pharisees, they're watching Jesus because they wanted to trap him. They wanted to see, Jesus, what are you going to do right here? Are, are you going to choose to heal and do this thing so we can get you and you can say you can't work on the Sabbath, but you worked? Or what is it that you're going to do? And they ask Jesus, they say, Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And Jesus, he responds to him, he says this, and Jesus asks them, he kind of turns it around and kind of asks them a question. He says, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save a life or to kill. But they remain silent. 
And so Jesus, in the midst of this, he becomes angry because he understands their heart is not really about should you or should you not heal, but he understands that they're, they're just trying to trap him. And he looks at them, he says, then he looked around at them in anger. And he's deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And instead of looking at them and doing what many of us would do, we would probably cast some demon on them or we would do some horrible thing to that person. He looks at them, the man and he just says, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out in his hand, it says, was completely restored. The thing I, I love about this story is that in the midst of Jesus' anger, in the midst of him looking at these people who just don't understand it, they just don't get it, many of us would allow that anger to lead to negative things, but in the midst of Jesus' anger, he allows it to lead to healing and restoration. So some of you, get angry. Your marriage isn't what you want it to be. Get angry. Not at your spouse. But get angry at the fact that you know it could be better. Allow your anger to lead to healing in your life. Are you sick of seeing certain things that you just don't like in life? You might, might be a hunger issue and you just say, I'm just so mad that people in, in other countries don't have food or it might be some other big topic that you go, I'm just so angry at that. You can get angry. Maybe not at an individual. But use that anger to lead to healing and restoration. So how do you get unstuck? Again, I would encourage you to learn to put it out. Some of you, you have little things in your life that you find yourself getting so frustrated over. And I want to challenge you today to drop it. Some of you today, you need to learn to get accountability. Some of you, maybe today, the, the thought that you need to take with you is that in the midst of your anger, you can allow that to lead to healing and restoration. And I know there's many of you here today where you might struggle with this topic. And you would think to yourself, is it really possible Joel, you don't understand my anger. Like I come in here on the weekend and I smile and everybody thinks I'm good, but, but I find myself spewing on people all the time. I find myself stewing on the anger inside and is it really possible for me to get out of that ditch? And I think you can. I really believe you can. Remember, the worst thing that we can do when we're stuck in a ditch is to do nothing at all. And the reason why I believe you can find freedom, the reason why I believe I can find freedom is because, of course, what, what God did for us. In fact, at one point in Jesus' ministry, he was eating and he instituted this thing called the Lord's Supper or what we would call communion. And the idea really was simple. He wasn't instituting something that would become religious. He wasn't instituting something that would become a tradition that we would just do because everybody else is doing it. He was saying, I don't want you to forget what I'm about to do. I don't want you to forget what I've done for you. And the reason why I'm going to do this is so that you can find freedom in the midst of whatever ditch you face in life. And so years later, churches all over the world, we do this thing called communion where we take bread and we take juice. We eat it and we drink it. Not because it's a tradition, but we do it remembering that God loved you so much that he sent his son Jesus, that his body was broken and his blood was shed so that we could spend eternity with him. And Paul later, Apostle Paul, he was writing to a church in Corinth because they began this thing of doing communion after that, all different kinds of churches. And at one point he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, For I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. 
Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And then I want you to hear this part. Everyone, they ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And what Paul was saying to this church is this, is that too often times in churches what we do is we say we're going to receive communion so we have some bread up here, we have some juice that you can take and we come up and we grab it and we go back to our seat and we, you know, eat the bread and we drink the juice and we don't do much examining of our own hearts. And Paul was saying to this church and my challenge to you today would be this, is he says, would you just take a moment before you do this and examine your heart? Remembering that we're not doing this because it's a ritual or a tradition, but we're remembering the fact that the reason we get to do this is because, because God loved you so much, he loved me so much that he was willing to send his son Jesus to die on a cross. And as you do this, as you take the, the bread and you eat it, you're remembering that his body was broken for you, that he was beaten, that he was tormented, that his nails were driven into his hands and to his feet. As you drink the cup, you're remembering that his blood spilled for you. And he says, but before you do that, he says, I want you to take a moment and I want you just to examine your heart. And that's what I'm going to challenge you to do, do today. We're going to sing a song in just a moment. And you're going to have some time for this. But I want to challenge you before, you know, you, you eat the bread, before you drink the juice, maybe you just want to take a moment and just sit before God and say, God, is there anger inside of me that I need to deal with? God, is there something else happening inside of me that I need to ask for forgiveness for? Is there something going on inside of me, God? And he's just saying, examine yourself. Examine to see if there's something there that maybe God needs to deal with. And maybe in the midst of that, you need to say, God, would you forgive me for that? God, forgive me for the fact that I've been stewing on this, this relationship over and over and over again. God, forgive me for, for the words that I begin to spew on people in my life. And so the band's just gonna play some instrumental music for a moment. I'm gonna pray. And they're gonna do that. And while they do that, I just wanna challenge you as a church. Examine yourself. Spend a, a moment just saying, God, is there something there? If there is, God, would you bring it to life? Would you, would you bring it to me so that I can ask for forgiveness? And then as you feel comfortable, you can come up front. Uh, we have stations here. We have stations in the back as well. You can grab the bread. You can grab the juice. You can go back to your seat and you can take it there. And so I'm gonna pray and then we'll sing. And again, during that little instrumental part, if you'd be willing, just examine yourself for a moment. And then as you feel comfortable, you can come forward to receive the elements. Let's go to him. Father, thank you, God, that no matter what we've walked into this place with today, no matter the type of maybe anger or frustration that we feel at times towards people, towards society, towards our school, towards work, whatever it might be, God. God, that you paid the ultimate price for us that we can find healing because of that, God, in, in the midst of our anger, in the midst of whatever sins that we're dealing with these days. So, so God, as we, as we sit and we examine ourselves, I pray, God, that you would bring to light, you would bring to life the things that maybe we do need to deal with in our life, the things that we need to maybe ask for forgiveness for. And God, as we do this, as we receive communion, we don't want to do it because it's a ritual. We want to remember the fact, God, that you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus, that his body was broken, his blood was shed, 
so that we get to spend eternity with you. Help us not to take this lightly. Scott, we thank you for your amazing love, your amazing grace. We ask all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.